We open on cobblestone streets. Wooden wheels bounce over top of them, playing in rhythm with the waves of a nearby shore. We see people running from one place to another. Muskets are selling quickly and passed around by the dozen. In bars and libraries, they shout of revolution. In shadowed alleys, we see eyes and little wings flit from place to place. We hear sprightly coughs. There's more iron than there used to be. People are more jumpy than they once were, or easily scared, but in the wrong way. Fires break out where they don't belong. Decades later, no improvement. The slightest hint of the weird and its fire and steel. An abrupt change around prohibition. Secrecy becomes fun. Racy, even. Those that could speak suddenly found themselves hiding in plain sight. The chase was no longer life or death. Some took solace. Some took advantage. Some took vengeance. The numbers... There's no way to know. We see hundreds upon hundreds of box TVs showing scenes like this. We see that it comes in waves. One year, eerie stories fuel fun and flirtation with the other side. The next year, a panic over the morals of children deepens the divide. We see the rise of the information age. Those that know better scoff at the name. We see dozens of twisted people and beautiful monsters at their computer screens. Secrecy is the watchword of the weird, and spreading lies is a magnificent smokescreen. The world has changed greatly since our predecessors. Some for the better, some for the worse. Hello, everyone! Uh, and welcome to Good Neighbors, an actual play podcast of Monster of the Week, but a spectacular Mike Sands. Uh, we're up to interlude two now. You know, we see so many things passing by. I think it's uh, uh, good to see where we began. Uh, every story is a little bit of a loop or a little bit of fluid. So let's uh, let's start where we know where to start. Does anyone have anything they want to say or mention before we uh, hop into it? Hi. Um... I am on another podcast called Murphy. That uh, is an audio drama podcast where they hunt or investigate monsters. So if you like much of what we're doing over here and you want some more, um, in less of an improv, more scripted sense, head over to Murphy by Ghostly Muse Productions. Did you have form prior experience on your resume? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> you better fucking hire me. I I've been doing this shit since this before you were niche. even a little baby podcast. Uh, y'all should support the Patreon. Uh, Patreon slash WTM Radio. We don't update it as much as we should, but you should still give us money. And there's cool rewards <laughs> there. Also, we have a, a T-shirt that you can buy and wear on your body. And this Valentine's Day. You could put it on the floor and have sexy times. So, you know, nothing gets people in the mood like a, a Lobster King shirt. Yeah. The Lobster King loves to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay. We lost the plot there. Um, but yeah, give us, give us money. Give us money. Money, please. Money, please. Also, Quincy's an alien. Confirmed. Uh, thank you so much for listening and all of your support on social media. Uh, with Valentine's Day coming up, if that's a thing that you're interested in, uh, Lee has assured me that the Hodag would be happy to be your Valentine this season. Mm-hmm. So, more information about the is there is there a bad neighbors on the Hodag? No, uh, I because uh, I have I didn't think. That anyone would fight them. Uh, Fair enough. Oh, bad, bad, bad neighbors is our monster manual for good neighbors, villains, and creeps, and, and not yeah. sexy cups and things. Yeah, and so can be found on our Patreon. Yeah, we have a couple on there right now, and they're great. Some art, some 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 stats, some tips on how to use them in your campaign. Good stuff. 
Oh, without further ado. We see a bicycle racing across the dirt roads of South Grafton, a uh, unincorporated community in West Virginia. Very, very small, like not many people at all, not very connected at all. We see a uh, letter fly out of a backpack. We see some small concerns where it says, uh, uh, Dear Mrs. Kent, Dale has not been doing well, and it snaps up into the wind. We see a bunch of uh, like wild animals throughout the area that are just kind of used to the people that live there. We see house, like a long stretch, then a house, then a long stretch, then a house. Uh, people who wave but don't give enough of a concern to like see how you're doing. There's a couple dogs that playfully chase you down the, uh, uh, the dirt roads until you uh, arrive home. There's no car or anything in the driveway. There's actually wouldn't have been in the first place. How old are you? Dale is 12 years old at this point, and he's a scrawny kid. A little wiry, um, clearly not quite grown into himself at this point. Okay. I think his hair is pretty much shaved down to the edges. Yeah. We see you pick up like a key outside of a, you know, there's a little rock. You just pick it up, turn the key, and you can walk right inside. There's no one home. The place is pretty messy. I'd say there's like a lot of clutter. It's not like dirt and grime. It's just that nothing is getting put away. We see a lot of the photos have been turned down. We see... uh Little Dale on a bunch of different photos, uh, like stapled to the wall. We see a fridge that is mostly empty, save for a couple things. Nothing's pre-made. What's this part of your day look like, Little Dale? Dale is, I think, first going to check the counter to see if his mom left him any chores to do before she got home. It looks like she started to and had to rush out all that she left you. Uh, was uh, uh, that there is uh, uh, some of the like traps out back have have broken, and if you could like try putting your hand at, at fixing them up, something, just or just seeing what's wrong, and maybe we can talk to one of the neighbors about it. Not sure. There's some. They've been having some uh, rats lately as a as a problem. Mm. They just want someone to take a look at it and see what's happening. I think Dale's mostly first gonna just. Make himself a little grilled cheese sandwich. I think he he pulls like a composite notebook, and you can see it says like first grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. It's clear that like each of them has been crossed out as he's been reusing the same one through the years. Um, he thinks about doing homework, but I think he just tosses it on the counter and takes his grilled cheese to the backyard. What type of cheese? Oh, craft, of course. Uh, as you head outside. There is a, uh, on your answering machine, a little beep that just goes off on its own. The thing is kind of faulty. Uh, and you don't hear it, but you uh, a little message from your teacher says, Hey, Mrs. Kent, I just wanted to check in again. Um, haven't heard back from you. Uh, I just, I'm a little worried about Dale lately. Um, if, uh, I just wanted to know that if anyone, if you need someone to come talk to him, or if um, you need him to come stay somewhere for a little while, that's okay. Just, um, we're here to help. <sighs> um, I just... Okay, yeah, have a good day. Doesn't have the uh, strength to maybe say something uh, else. As you head outside. Dale, outside, uh, there's rat traps around the house, but, uh, there's also just, like, a number around, like, places that, uh, uh, like you think maybe they might be coming from or, or that you, maybe your mom thought there's coming. She doesn't have like a good idea of how to take care of this problem. So she just kind of puts them around. Dale's going to kind of like 
cram the sandwich into one part of his mouth and try to collect the traps to, to reset them and, and hopefully try to see if he can figure out where the crux of the problem is coming from to, to more strategically sort of place these traps. Yeah. As you're m- moving around your house and, and setting them up in certain places, your trash like has like ripped open at one point and she she just didn't have enough time to like put everything back together. So there's a bit of a trail where a raccoon or something like dragged them out into the woods as far as they could get them, had a snack and left. And it seems like they're just following the scent on this uh, this here trail. Um, I think Dale's going to think about cleaning up, but then let the curiosity kind of get the better of him and see if he can find this raccoon out in the woods. Yeah. Uh, you, you head out that way, and uh, it's like late afternoon breeze kind of washes over you and, and tossles your, your uh, little curly hair. Uh, and we... Uh, we see leaves begin to fall and have started to to kind of cover the ground. We see like old like paw prints and footprints and things that are now just completely covered. Uh, we see uh, branches have fallen, some larger maybe uh, uh, from the wind or something. As you approach, you start to hear this like sort of like squeaking, but it's like also a little raspy. Uh, Dale's gonna look around and see if he can find uh, a little stick. Maybe one that looks like a sword. Hell yeah. There's one branch that cuts, that has like a, a, a bent secondary little twig branch that looks like, oh, that could have been a cross guard. Heck yeah. I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna sort of jump around the corner to see if he can catch whatever's rustling. You find the uh, makeshift sleeping shack for when you feel like doing some outdoor camping. It's just like this like little hovel of leaves and, and sticks and stuff. And you see that there's a, a raccoon inside, and it has one of the traps like stuck to its leg. It's like a rat trap, so it's quite a bit larger. And its leg looks like it's like twisted from it, because it's been trying to get it off, and it's just hurting itself more. Dale's going to try to approach it and see if it's like amicable with letting him try to see if he can help it out. Uh, yeah. Just for fun, roll me charm. That is an 11. The thing has been here for maybe, like, eight or nine hours. Maybe since right after you left for school. Now that you're here, it's got, you're its best, best hope. And it just kind of waits. It doesn't, it just kind of, like, natural instinct freezes up and lets you do what you need to do. Little Dale's gonna take the little crust from his grilled cheese and try to give it to the raccoon to distract it while he pulls the trap off its leg. You do so. And uh, off in the distant woods, you hear this loud bang! And then another one. And there's this, like, sound of someone screaming. But that's not actually that abnormal. Red foxes sound like they're someone screaming out in the woods. People shoot here all the time. It's kind of unregulated hunting in this area. Dale's probably going to take a second just to like look around and see if he can see the hunters. But if he doesn't see anything, he'll probably go back to trying to see if this raccoon needs any other help. It started to, to scamper off from the noise. Uh, like The sound of the bang made it start to, to run in the other direction. There's no apparent hunters. Uh, it doesn't seem like. Uh, but it's clearly, like, limping. Because, uh, you know, although you got the trap off, this thing is going to, like, be slow and easy pickings for if there's, like, a mountain lion nearby that someone's trying to put down. For sure. Yeah, it's going to be like, Hey, little buddy, come back here. I'm, you're hurt. And he's going to chase after him, try to see if he can catch up. In a panic, it gets a little bit further into woods until... Uh, you know, maybe a, a football field's distance in. Uh, you, you catch up to it. It's just exhausted, and it just lies back down again and lets you do what? Uh, Dale doesn't know much about how to help things like this, but I think he's got maybe, like, the remnants of a first aid kit where it's just, like, Band-Aids, 
like an ace bandage and like half a tube of antibiotic ointment um, that he keeps in the shed for when he mm-hmm. likes to play doctor. So I think he's going to try to um, get the raccoon up in his arms and see if he can start to make his way back to the shed. As you finally get it up in your uh, get it up in your arms, uh, you notice that it's gotten quite a bit darker since you first started this little foray into the woods. And it's gotten really, really quiet. Like, Dale, you got some pretty good senses on you. You've been living out here in the wa- for, for a while now, and there's no bugs, no birds. As you start to uh, head back, this uh, low fog starts to roll in. You hear the pitter-patter of rain above you, but it's stopping largely on the trees above. And Dale... You hear something behind you, some, far away, but you hear something. <clears throat> Son? Dale's going to whip around with the, the stick sword and try to see what the fuck is out here. Nothing. It's quiet. You look around again. There's no bugs. There's no birds. There's no squirrels. It's dead empty around here. Hello? If you're the hunters, it's... it's. I'm not... I'm not deer. What? Dale. <gasps> And nothing. Dale's gonna stutter step a little bit closer to the sound, see if he can get a better sight or hear it better. I think he is picking up something in the voice. Go ahead and roll me, uh, read a bad situation. Would this be without the tactical genius that he gets as a professional? Yeah, what's your sharp? Negative one, so it brings a ten down to a nine. Okay, pick one. Are there any dangers we haven't noticed? Yeah. Yeah, of course there are. You whirl around, disoriented. You listen closely, using your ears and your nose more than your eyes. You have to close your eyes for a second. You step across a bit of the leaves, and you feel your feet, had you just waited a second longer, would have gone through them, and you would have fallen into a pit. And as you yank yourself back, something reaches after you. It's swift. It's so swift. This branch, this mountain lion, something reached out and scratched the ground below you uh, and yanked itself back in. And if you look at the leaves, it's not there anymore. The raccoon starts to wriggle in your hand and it wants to escape. Do I hear anything? You hear? My son. Is that you? Where are you, boy? Daddy? I'm, I'm here, Daddy. The hairs on the back of your neck stand on end. The raccoon is going to fight to get out of your arms. Come here. Slowly. Walk closer. I got you, son. Dale! 
Dale's gonna jump, and I think he's gonna squeeze the raccoon really hard and fucking run. You break into a dead sprint, and as soon as you do, whatever this is, it follows. At great speed, chasing behind you, the, the, the slamming of your feet against the ground is matched by its steps, but you know this thing is fast. It didn't catch you yet, and you don't know why. You hear, Dale, come back. I didn't mean to scare you. Dale, come back. I'm sorry. Dale. Please. Please. I saw them bury you. Liars. Liars all. Come. Come on. Just come back. I need to hug my boy again. Do I know the way home? Yeah, I think so. These woods are the back of your hand. Where do you go? Dale runs for a thicket of underbrush that he's often used to pretend that he's inside some sort of fort. Uh, the branches are really twisted and craggly so much that he knows that he, only someone as small as him would be able to get through. And he knows if he can get from one side to the other, he just has to cross his neighbor's yard to get back to the backyard door of his house. Yeah. At your house. So not where you are immediately. But you know the sound of where your front door is. The bell rings. There's banging, hard banging on the front door. I'm home. Let me in. Let me in! Please. Let me in. 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 Did I make it home? Easily. It doesn't know where you went, but it wants to be inside. Dale's gonna try to push the sofa against the door. We're banging against the door. And then suddenly, it goes quiet. Dale's gonna look down at the little raccoon still in his hands. He wants to stay inside. He's going to creep over to the window that looks out on the backyard. Yeah. He's going to make sure all the lights are off inside the house, and he's going to peek out the curtains. Some darkness, some shadow returns to the woods, charges outwards, away from you. I think from the place of the window, Dale can see, um, in his haste, he knocked over one of the overturned pictures, and I think as he watches it leave, he looks down at an old picture of his dad. Um, and I think he gets really angry. And he looks out at the woods, and he runs to his mom's room. Or she told him to go if anything bad ever happened. He goes in the nightstand and he gets out six bullets, runs to the safe, pulls out the little revolver and loads it. He's gonna look at the little raccoon, give a little pat on the head, and run out the back door. The answering machine goes off again. Hey, Mrs. Kent, I just wanted to check in again. Um, haven't heard back from you. Uh, I just, I'm a little worried about Dale. Lately. Let's get away there. Um, as you run into the darkness. I just, uh, I just wanted to know that if anyone, if you need someone to come talk to him, or if, um,
we only see the lower half of every person in this mall. Walking by each other, hoping for something to fill the void. We hear a child throwing a tantrum, and many of the moving legs stop to watch. One of them, wearing a blue suit with white gloved hands, says, <laughs> Is that your daughter? You should put it online. A million views for sure. And we cut away. To a dark, dark room. We see a single bed, like it's a single, on wood. It's just like a mat. And then a concrete wall all around, all fours. A desk strewn with papers and various energy drinks. How old are you? At this point, probably 15 or 16. How do you look? As scrawny as he is in the present, he's even scrawnier now. His skin is oily, and as is his hair, it looks like he doesn't get any sun and probably hasn't left this room in some time. Yeah, we see paper after paper has been passed below your door that uh, talks about your absence says disciplinary action imminent if you do not keep coming to your classes because you're not in college this isn't something you're you're paying for you're at a boarding school for some of the best and brightest and you're not fucking going to class you are a poor representation of what we do here but also notably you're alone and this place is supposed to have roommates why do you have this room? About three months ago, I was uh, in the middle of February. I was tied to the local flagpole without a shirt on, and a bucket of water poured down my back. There's still a, a nasty, nasty scar where, like, that ice formed on the metal pole with your back. Some like dumb person trying to help you ripped you off of it and we see you young Lucas sitting there in the dark with your laptop what's currently on your screen before uh, I show up probably uh, browsing some sort of like horror thread like uh in one window, I'm browsing, like, some sort of SCP thing, trying to spook myself. And in another window is my old roommate, who's the one that tied me to the things. Dad's bank information. Hell yeah. As you are uh, kind of typing away here, losing yourself in a mix of fiction, chance at online friendship, and vengeance... Your whole screen fills up with a black wall. Still backlit, so it's definitely still on. It didn't just shut off. But it didn't crash either. And in red text, it says, Are you having fun? Gonna try alt-tabbing to, like, another window so maybe I can see where this is coming from. It closes suddenly. You wait. For like 30 seconds. And then the bank information like tab that you have open suddenly snaps closed. And you get a little not notification that says security breach. Authorities have been notified. And it's not in the red text. You see a loading bar as it moves across. Uh, I, uh... I remove my computer from the uh, uh, Ethernet. You do so. The connection stays on, and the red text returns, and it says, You can do better. Who is this? Hello. Blank. 
I'm I'm checking to see like how I'm connected. There's no Wi-Fi. You start unplugging parts of your computer. I assume this is like a desktop, right? Yeah. Uh, until you full, take out the monitor and it stays on. Your cool LED keyboard lights back up, unconnected to anything at all. Have a seat. I'm going to reach into my desk and pour some pills into my hand and take them, try to read what's on the label, see if they have, like, if I'm having some side effects to my medication. Yeah. You've taken the right amount. You can remember pretty clearly earlier this morning, and none of them would imply that this is supposed to be happening. None of them mention, uh, like, hallucinations. I'm trying to help you. Going to type in, who are you? I have a deal for you. What kind of deal? It brings back up uh, that father's like bank records and says, this is child's play. While responding, I'm going to, with my other hand, start putting my computer back together so I can get back on uh, online. Yeah. Uh, do you have something better in mind? I do. I'm glad you asked. In fact, we have a limited time free trial subscription, and we'd love to have you on board and give us a go. Warning. Offer expires in 30 seconds. Uh, and we see, like, a little hourglass tick. Tick. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, 8-bit. Yeah. Is my computer back online at this point? Yeah, sure. I'd like to try to find the IP address where this chat window's coming from. Yeah, go ahead and make me a sharp roll. Eight. Eight. Uh, as you start uh, typing it in, and, and I actually have no idea how this would work, so I'm not going to try to technobabble it. As you do this, uh, you start to realize that you are getting, like, I'm going to say counterhacked is a real thing, and it is. You see that your monitor starts to, like, your controls get switched. You, As you start to type in certain numbers or letters, oh, suddenly they, they have swapped places uh, so that you hit zero and it puts in a four and so on and so forth. Very, very simple method of just disrupting you. And as you are doing this, the number, the time keeps ticking down, and a smoke bomb rolls underneath your dorm room door. And you hear, loser! And someone runs down the hallway. It's filling your room as gas, effectively. It's not going to kill you, but it's awful. This horrific stench starts to pierce your nose, and your eyes get all teary. Uh, last-ditch effort. I'm going to, against my better judgment, you never click yes on a strange link, uh, click yes on the link and hope that the person I'm trying to get the IP address of, normally when you say yes to a scammer, they take their mind off other things. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to see if I can use clicking yes to get me their IP address. Yeah. Their IP address just reads 00.000.000. Completely blank. Alright, this is fucking weird. <coughs> <coughs> Another screen pops up that says, Thank you! So happy to have you on board. And it's like uh, uh, a little like emoji smiley face and a thumbs up. And when you do this, your computer starts to flash and flash and flash up and down, up and down. And we close in on it from the camera angle. 
we lose sight of Lucas. But Lucas, this is what you see. Like a subway passing through station after station at rapid speed. We see window after window that looks like it's into people's lives. We see people in their bedrooms uh, having affairs. We see people getting murdered. We see also sometimes people committing small bits of kindness, like feeding strays and, and such. But you, Lucas, you never get to see that. But we in the background see that it does happen. And we see these lives of people pass by committing any num- number of disreputable or, 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 or mundane or just unpleasant acts. These this day-to-day monotony, this uh, turn to willingness to do wrong by others flips by you. Nothing stops. We see you, Lucas, in darkness behind you. But the lights pass by you over and over as if you're on a subway so fast that the force nearly makes you pass out as if you were blasting through space. For a moment, you see the moon and you are back in your room. And on your computer screen, we see the security cameras of your dorm hallways. Just a few seconds ago, where that kid That dumb shit kid is rolling that smoke bomb beneath your door. And him going outside and meeting another kid for a drug deal. Capture image. Uh, And submit it anonymously to the police. That's the way we like it. What's your name? Lucas. You're going to need a better name than that. Lucas Fur. Seriously? Fine. <laughs> Would you like to know more about our services? Yes. Yes. Yes, you do. And we pan out. We see Bigfoot up late at night on his computer. The Bat Squatch gets out of bed to urge him to go to sleep. Bigfoot tells him that he can't sleep. He has a bad feeling that something bad is about to happen. We open on an old saloon. We find ourselves in the building blocks of a shitty swamp town called Constance, Louisiana. Or an old bar called Eden's Last has its very first kind of good night where a bunch of cowboys and saloon girls and, and such are, well, we're having a night. There's live music. There's silly people. There's whiskey all around. And uh, we pan out to this shitty town with wooden fences and angry dogs. And uh, what do we see roll in? We see a mule pulling a wagon full of books and some chess and a violin case, a fiddle case. And we see a much younger looking Quincy riding on this wagon. How so? How how younger? What what features have been retained? That's a good question. I think they still have a fancy mustache. They are dressed poorly, like the, their their clothes are of a much lower uh quality, but they try to take good care of them and make them look 
richer yeah. than they really are. Uh, but but Quincy still has kind of a sparkle in their eye, um, but they're maybe in their twenties or thirties, late twenties, early thirties esque. Okay. You arrive at this old saloon, and as you uh, you know pass through those cool double doors where they swing, there's a. Uh, uh, I mean, the music doesn't stop, right? It's not like a cartoon, mm-hmm. but people look at you expectantly a stranger in town so uh everyone looks at quincy uh, but goes about their business music still playing quincy is going to walk to a very prominent section of the saloon and the music stops stomp three times now i know i saw a sign that said absolutely no selling but I pray you will forgive my solicitation when you hear the treasures I have to offer. For if you have the conviction to take my hand and the constitution to see this journey through to the end with me, then the tools I have to offer will turn the world to clay in your hands to shape it as you see fit. Now I see I have your attention and that's good. That's good. I see that there are some skeptical and quizzical expressions amongst some of you fine erudite patrons of this establishment. I will forgive your doubts and uncertainties. What is this treasure this snake oil charlatan is pushing? I assure you, what I offer is valuable beyond measure. Mere physical wealth can be stolen or lost. The touch of a lover can fade and turn cold, while the warmth of a friend can be snuffed out. Even one's health can be thwarted by God like the humble Job, and one's freedom can be in prison like young Joseph. Wealth, love, friendship, health, and freedom all pale in comparison to what I offer. It is an elixir unlike any other. Verbally, you will transform your reality. Use the language of the spoken word to confound, outwit, and persuade the masses around you. Use it like Shakespeare to leave your mark on history, or like Byron to woo your would-be lovers with mystery. What? I offer you dictionaries at a dollar twenty-five. A real steal to enable you sophisticated and unenlightened folks to command the spoken word. Is he calling us dumb? Dictionary? I barely even know shit. $1.25? There is an immediate turn. Glass bottles break. We uh, see pickled eggs taken out of the big jar on the, on the bar thrown. We see, uh, like, ink and, uh, you know, like, feathers and things like that tossed. And, uh, general violence ensues. These people piss on the written word and also the spoken word. Quincy, what do you look like not ten minutes after this foray into this shitty, shitty bar? Uh, I, I think Quincy has uh, a couple black eyes. I think they have uh, a broken nose. And um, I think they are counting the dollars that they picked from pockets as they were getting this shit kicked out of them. Love it. Yeah. Your mule, does it have a name? Um, you know, I didn't think of a name. Uh, Perhaps Mula, like Beulah, but mule. No, that's terrible. Ferris uh, Mueller. I think, I think, Quincy is a, a a prideful dumbass, and they would name their mule something like Destiny because that's what they ride into town. I love it. Destiny is largely unbothered by your condition. Your dictionaries have not been like burned or anything, but some people have taken them, like throw them in the mud, and just like knocked shit out of your wagon. Uh, Unsightly. Yeah. You have a little bit of money. 
But you notice that the people in town here will hike up prices for you. You know shit isn't worth that much when, you know, you're just trying to get, like, fucking corn or bread. Um, I don't think that's anything new for Quincy. I think that they are used to standing out in shithole fucking towns like this and being treated poorly because of it. Yeah. How do you scrounge up that last bit of dough to have a, a, a full stomach? Quincy will feed Destiny first. Um, and then... Because they got to be able to keep moving, you know? Destiny is yeah. their, their transportation. Um, I think Quincy will maybe try and, like, hide their appearance a little bit and then, like, busk with their fiddle. Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah, you uh, uh, see some, like, old clothes out on a uh, thread for drying, and you can kind of give yourself a little bit of a sort of Clark Kenty vibe to switch things around. I think they take out, like, an eye patch too, you know? Fuck like, yeah. <laughs> Quincy has done this before. Yeah. And, uh, go ahead and give me just a, a charm roll. It's pretty good. Uh, that's gonna be a ten, baby. Ten. Things turn around for you a little bit. Their fiddle player, you noticed, when you first rolled into town, fucking sucks. Way <laughs> off. Their their strings are out of tune, and they have no rhythm. You, however, have, I assume, f- fantastic rhythm. And you play us a song. And the uh, the music in the, the bar stops. People come outside. And uh, what kind of hat you have? Uh, I think it's like a big floppy situation to hide my features more. Mm-hmm. When you toss it over for a moment and bow your head to hide your face, people toss in uh, their scraps of sense so that you can afford the next night's meal. I think under my breath I insult them as they're giving me money. Uh, I don't know if anyone notices, but like... Qu- if you like, use big enough words, they won't know yeah. what you mean. Uh, you uncultured Philistines. Oh, thank you! Uh, and you, you say this uh, uh, to them, and they, they pass you by. And as always, you're in this next town, and you know there is nothing for you here. Town after town after town. You gotta get the fuck out. Do you hop back in your wagon? Yeah, I'm not fucking staying in Constance, Louisiana. Fuck this town. Nothing important <laughs> is ever going to happen here. This place will surely fall into the mud that surrounds it and be nothing more forever. And you leave. Your journey is long. The road is comforting to some degree in that, in a way, escape has always been a place you could go. You can't stop in any given town because the people there might be something worse. But the road, anything you have there, you can at least leave. And uh, your mule seems to like that just fine. Clouds pass overhead over and over and over. And you notice as you pass every day... It's just a little bit more. Every day, just a little bit more strange in that you'll see in crop fields that you pass odd rings cut out of it. Just like not really efficient pathways or anything like that, just sort of circles that are cut out. There are stacks of rocks, if you've seen them by like shores and rivers, where people just put the rocks up on, on top of each other called a cairn cairn yeah cairn. over and over you sometimes up in one of your fancy dictionaries <laughs> and sometimes when you go to sleep there's like music and you're never sure if you're dreaming or not but you feel like a thirst on your lips 
I think I start trying to play this like half remembered song from these dreams when I'm awake and I start fixating on it more you play this song and it's starts off slow lulling and it rises to this like you almost want to start walking to it or or march as you play your fiddle but you're surprised at how much you remember it it's not like you heard it and you have an amazing memory it feels like someone sat you down and handed this to you breeze picks up with autumn leaves pass and one of the times that you play this song on your wagon you pass by someone who just happens to have heard your music and uh I want to cut away here and we're going to come back to this very moment and Whistler I want you to tell me what you look like as you wake up this morning uh we see uh Whistler a lean kind of stringy person uh, with this ash blonde hair that comes down and just about tickles the tops of their shoulders Um, they have like rough worn hands but these meticulously manicured nails and these busted old shoes uh, that have this desperate application of shoe polish like they are clearly someone who comes from very little but puts on airs to try to appear to be more yeah today's the day we're leaving as you are getting your pack together your your parents come in to stop you uh, and tell you, Huck, this just I, this just doesn't seem wise. Like, we need you here, you know, on the farm. I've, I think I've done my, <clears throat> I think I've done my fair share of Will work. Will you stop talking like that? It's just weird. I need to practice, or it's never going to become second nature. You don't need second nature here. You got nature here. A second nature is the embodiment of what it means to be an actor. Where did you get these ideas? Books and and papers and and stories. And I've done... uh, I've done a fair amount of work on the farm. I've worked here all my life. I've put in my time. And I love both of you very much, but I have to do this. They uh, give you a little hug and a kiss on the head. And uh, your dad pulls you aside and says, All right, well, if you're going to go, then you better make me proud. And if you don't, Yes, you did. It doesn't clearly have like the language to be like, I don't know what to say to you, but tries to say something encouraging. I understand. You just can you stop talking like that? I understand. <sighs> this this kind of you know this kind of affectation. It's never going to land me the kind of roles that I want. What I don't want to just. I don't want to play, you know, a, a supporting character. I, I don't want to just be another farmhand or, or simple-minded person. I, I'm going to be the leading man. I'm going to be a hero. All right, Huck. What's that little hand for you to shake? Give him hell. Yeah, they... They shake their father's hand. They give them and uh, their mother like a big hug. And they head out. On foot? 
I think that uh, their like farmhouse is kind of a ways away from town. You know, yeah. like it's it's pretty uh, separated uh, from yeah. the rest of like civilization. So they have to walk into town. Yeah, where they'll try to like rent or buy a horse. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a f- on it's a fair bit from Kansas to Georgia, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You have to take ride after ride. There's no good straight shot yet. We see you one night in a uh, uh, one of the wagons sleeping beneath a little newspaper that says factory fire in Boston. And the date is 1902. And as you uh, uh, roll through here, eventually, eventually, no people no horses no traders no nothing is gonna get you to georgia and so you're on foot for a little while there are roads sure but luck of the draw no one's going until you hear a bit of music someone's playing the fiddle and they're pretty good but the song sounds like half finished like they have to keep stopping themselves for a little while and you see this mm, sort of banker-esque character rolling up with a mule and a wagon and a dream. As you make your way to have yours. A little worse for wear now that you've been walking for like six hours. Hello there. Uh, hello there, friend. I couldn't help, but over here, you truly have a gift. One, one second. Uh, oh, damn it, I've lost it. What can I do for you? Oh, I just wanted to compliment you on your craft. It's a beautiful song. An appreciator of the arts in this shithole. Oh, truly my day is blessed. Hello. Hello, uh, young person. Uh, thank yeah. you. Well, uh, that is precisely why I am exiting the shithole, as it were. Uh, what direction are you headed in? Oh, my, uh, my name is... Uh, my name is... Uh, you, you can call me Burdock. Burdock, uh, uh, an excellent name, unforgettable. Uh, I, I, I love names that are just one name. I'm, uh, I'm trying to employ my surname as sort of my singular name. I feel like it'll stick in heads better. It'll, it's a little sure, punchier. Yeah, yeah. It's really about yeah. building the brand. Uh, can I inquire as to your name? Uh, I'm Quincy. Uh, Quincy Woodford. Pleasure. Well, damn it, if you weren't also blessed with an excellent name. Thank you, I picked it myself. Oh, I don't know why I didn't think of that. Hm. Something to ponder. Reality is what you make it. I like the way you think. Now... Um, am I to take it that you are looking to hitch a ride? If you would be so kind, I don't have an awful lot to offer. But <sighs> I was once a young person chasing a dream, hitching rides with strange artistic strangers myself. Uh, where are you headed? I'm slowly making my way to Savannah. What a coincidence. That's where I was headed to. Come along. Excuse me. Come along, young burdock. Let's go towards your destiny. That sounds perfect. And we see a, a very swift jump. We cut to a dock 
with some fishermen complaining about the infestation of oysters in this area. And we hear a factory whistle go to say that the shift day is done at the fish canning factory where Huck has just finished a shift of not acting and instead working in a factory. The owner of the factory is, of course, someone whose name is like Remington Finch the Third. Doesn't matter. Your enemy is solely the manager named Trout Claws. How long did it take to whip that one up? 30 seconds. All right. And Trout is giving you a hard time because you're not moving as fast as everyone else. And you talk too much. I, I, I'm, I will increase my speed. I, I can assure you that. But I don't see the harm in trying to break some of the monotony with a, a little bit of conversation here or there. Mr. Trout. Sir. Mr. Claus. <laughs> I regret going Claus. Bring ears. I don't pay you to have friends. I pay you to work. 14 hours. That's my time of your day. Yes, I am aware you have the lion's share of it, sir. And you get the glory and the benefit of a job. So say thank you. Thank you, Mr. Claus. May I go home now to remove the smell of fish from my body? I expect you bright and early, and I expect you working harder tomorrow, quietly. Like my life depends on it, sir. And you go. Where do we find you in and in the middle of the night? Uh I think in the middle of the night, uh they're standing outside of sort of like a busy pub. Yeah. Uh, they're like bundled up as well as they can, uh, in sort of a threadbare jacket, and they're smoking little rolled cigarettes with their roommate. Uh, just bitching about work and struggling to make it and yeah yeah uh your roommate whose name is i just spoke out of it trout claws it yeah uh your roommate carrie donahue is you know she is a fantastic playwright and she will get you the greatest role for sure when she has also made it it's just there's not enough culture here to understand for sure. But she's sitting there thinking. Burdock, what is it that I can uh, do to improve this script? Something about this is off and it's not. No one's taking the pitch. I, I think it's a lovely story. It really is. But I. I feel as though you could be more transparent with your storytelling. You you tend to show your audience much of the narrative when you could just tell them. Why do the characters never explicitly state their sort of feelings? I guess that's true. You do do that all the time, so that's prob- that's that's real. Yeah, people do mm-hmm. yeah. that. All right. I guess if I, it's not clear enough if I don't just have people say how they feel. Are you sure? Sure. I mean, people uh, should always say how they feel. But I kind of liked a lot of the metaphor that I was couching this in. I think the metaphor is lovely. I, I just think, uh, you know, what if uh, instead of uh, just uh, holding a pencil so hard that it snaps 
Reddington just said, I'm so angry about this. All right, I'll, I'll give it a try. And uh, we see her ruin her <laughs> amazing script with oh. your advice. <laughs> oh. We're really doing this, aren't we? We sure are. One shift at, at a time. All right. You and me, we're going to make it. She pours out the last bit of uh, uh, whiskey that she has and some glasses for you, too. Is you a clink? Yeah.